Konnichiwa, my friends. Thanks for downloading and listening to another action-packed episode of FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio. This is episode 16, and we're your hosts, Samurai Appliance Repairman and... Mrs. Samurai. All right, grab hold of those two large lumps at the base of your spine and hang on for another wild romp into the murky world of appliance repair. Woohoo! Well, specifically, we're going to be talking about defective customers. Defective customers? Mm-hmm. Well, oh. if, if you'll recall, in episode 13, we talked about appliance service calls from the customer's point of view. But in this episode, we're going to look at it from the servicer's point of view. In yes, fact, a, a peek behind the curtain. A little peek behind the scene. A subtitle of this show could be Appliance War Stories. Yep. But first, we need to hear from a website that, well, it's single-handedly bringing democracy to people all over the globe. It's upholding truth justice, and the American way. Let's listen. Fixitnow.com. Samurai appliance repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. Fixitnow.com. Appliance repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, Fixitnow.com. Welcome back, my friends. You know, when we think of appliance service calls, we usually think of defective machines. And it's true. There's usually a defective machine involved. Uh, some yep. of the rare exceptions to that would be situations, particularly under when a machine's under warranty and customer calls up, there's something wrong they think is wrong with the machine. You go out there, there's nothing wrong with it. They just weren't using it right. Those are called customer education calls in the in the parlance of the trade. Right. Manufacturers are putting a stop to those, by the way. Uh, people are expected to know how to read their user's manual. Right. Yeah, but, so they're actually charging sometimes. So if they go out right. and it turns out the customer just didn't know how to set the dial or something. That is correct. But... Um, that's, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the situation where you go out there, genuinely is a broken appliance involved, but there's also a broken customer to go with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you're a servicer, you're going to definitely relate to what we're talking about here. And if you're a customer, stick around and listen, because you're going to get a glimpse into the other side of the service call. We're going to do a few case studies, and I think we'll start off with a story from Nick Fixit. That's his uh, username in the uh, appliance repair forum. The yep, he's one of the, the many fine techs that uh, participate in our forum at our of, website. That's right, one of the sublime masters of appliantology. Um, and in our, our forum, by the way, is at applianceguru.com. It's the Samurai School of Appliance Repair. Right, and I would like to say most of the time the techs are uh, helping people fix their appliances, but every now and then they just well, have to... Uh, well, they just share war stories, right. too. In fact, there's a forum there at the forum, uh, a sub-forum, just for appliance war stories. And Nick uh, posted this one. Uh, it's about uh, an experience, an encounter that he had. And so I'm just going to read directly from what he wrote here. Here's Nick. This guy has a 14-year-old KitchenAid dishwasher. He says the door spring is missing, in quotes. So he calls Whirlpool and says, I don't believe it ever had a door spring. And he gets some dipwad to approve the part cost of the repair, but not the labor or service charges. I call him and let him know he will be paying the labor fees on his repair, approximately $130. And he starts to whine. Why should I have to pay for something that was never there? Then he tells me Whirlpool said they would pay for everything. I called his bluff and called Whirlpool's partner team and checked his story. They did not approve any labor costs. While I had him on the phone... I let them know what I thought of the situation. First, he's lying his ass off about not having a door spring for 14 years. 
He's, uh, he just had a door spring break, and he's too much of a scumbag to just get it repaired or fix it himself. Secondly, I felt it was wrong for Whirlpool to give away something for a machine 14 years old. Third, when you give vermin like this something for free, they'll use it as a starting point to get more free service. I told the Whirlpool rep to give them nothing, and to question the sanity of the person who authorized to give them the spring for free. There's no worse customer than one getting free service they don't deserve. If you put a door spring on today, they'll call back later saying the motor is loud and demand a new one. You all know the type. You will get milked constantly by these parasites. I stood my ground and refused to give him free labor, and he canceled the service call so he could, quote, take it up with Whirlpool. I also let him know that I didn't believe his story, and I didn't think anybody owed him anything. The only question left is, will some moron at Whirlpool approve the entire cost? Wow. That's such an unbelievable story That's that... First of all, supposedly he lived for 14 years with a broken door spring, or no, quote, door spring, well, and then finally got around to calling. Well, it's ridiculous. And then he called, well, what's, I don't know which is more ridiculous, him calling and just trying to see what he can get out of a company, or the company going along with it, even giving a, any type of concession on that, on a 14-year-old dishwasher. Which, I mean, if you get 14 years of good use out of a dishwasher The dishwasher owes days, you nothing. Yeah. But and it's, it's kind of a sad story, too, because it realizes, I think it illustrates, just gives you a little painting, a little vignette there of just the, the general cultural rot that's going on in this country today. People just trying to get something for nothing out of everybody. Everybody's trying to screw somebody. And the end result is the servicers, we find, you know, you want to just do things honestly and honorably, but you have to sometimes second think through that. That's not the only result. The end result is everybody pays more for appliances. Because, you know, every, every time you call up and you think, I'm going to get mine, and what are you, what's going to happen? It's going to cost everybody more when you go buy appliances because the company's taking a loss. So, and if you, above all, it's just not honest and it's not honorable. A lot of dishonorable scum out there, and that was a very good example. Thank you very much, Nick, for posting that. And uh, I also have a few tales from the dark side of my own experiences and here. And first, let me say, you just said there are a lot of scumbags out there like that, and that may be true, but we should preface the rest of our stories by saying that in our experience, this is a small minority. That's we, very true. Yeah. Most of the, when we don't, people think we have a you know, major attitude, and we think everybody out there is jerks. Right. Most people we work for, a large, overwhelming majority, are really good people. And, right. We're and, talking about 1% to 3%, but yeah. on the other hand, that's the 1% to 3% three, to three that makes for... An interesting podcast. That, and it, <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it can, it, it, it's, it can bring a lot of grief to a business when you have to deal with these people. They right. take up a lot of your time and energy. A lot of resources. They cost money. They cost everybody money and, and headaches. But they are a very small percentage. Um, stay focused on the majority of people who are decent folks. But it also, it, you know, it wouldn't be an interesting podcast to talk about, oh, I went on a service call today, and the, the customer was great. And, oh, and they were so nice. And, yeah, I mean... And then we went on another one. Just, and then, those, just, yeah. those aren't war stories, you know. <laughs> those, are, those are flower stories. Right. Um, so anyway, I got, I just want, and that's a tr good point you made there. So but I want to relate a few tales from my own experience, and these are, again, still dark tales. Um, and in this particular one, a customer misunderstood the old pricing system, of the way we used to charge for services and thought the entire repair in his dryer would cost $65. So let me back up a minute and explain, or, you know, we right. can explain how I used to charge for service. The way it used to be, people would call up and and uh, tell me about what's going on, and I'd explain the fee structure to them, me or, or Mrs. Samurai, um, and which was 
$65 for the service call slash diagnostic fee. That was to have me come in and troubleshoot the appliance and figure out what was wrong with it. And then with then after I did that, I was able to look up in a flat rate pricing guide. It was a national blue little blue book um, that's published that uh, servicers can buy. Look up and say it was in a range that needed an igniter, and I would look that up there. Okay, two hundred twenty-five dollars or whatever the price was, and that's and that's how that worked. And I would get quote to them, and if they did the repair, they wouldn't pay the diagnostic fee. They would just pay the book price. Right. If they didn't do the repair, then they would just pay the the um, sixty-five dollar diagnostic. Slash service well, we thought that fee. was pretty straightforward, and most <clears throat> people got it. But. Right, it is straightforward, um, but it took a little explaining. Like just yeah. just then, it took you know took a, a few moments to explain right. that to people. And more than <clears throat> more than once, definitely, people did misunderstand it. Most of the time, because they have to listen, and that's the problem. Right. I mean, people are horrible listeners, and this is something we found out in running this business. Is is the less you need to explain to someone, the better off you are. For a couple of reasons. One, people don't listen. And two, people will sort of halfway listen and use your words and twist them against you, as this guy did. Right. So I go out on this call, and is a dryer, GE dryer. has a nice house on the lake. We're talking like a million-dollar home. And, um, and he's got a, this GE dryer. The drum wasn't tumbling. I take it apart. Broken belt. Slam dunk. I look it up in the book, and it was... I don't know, whatever the price was. To, I mean, it was part labor, all done. The whole, the whole cost was, I don't know, maybe 170 bucks, whatever it was. I don't know. I, I'm just making up a number just to show that it's some number that was different and larger than the $65 service call fee uh, that we used to charge, that we no longer do it that way. Um, this guy looks at me. His eyes just start blazing. you got to be kidding. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, oh, shit, here we go. And so then he starts from there and just starts going, you said on the phone it was $65, and now you're trying to pull this scam on me. Basically going on talking about how I'm lying and how I'm trying to cheat him out of money. So And I start, you know, it escalates very quickly. Next thing you know, he's running upstairs, uh, and he's got this, his wife is this, you know, nice older woman. And I'm hearing him just yell at her. I'm hearing things stomp around up there. I don't know what he was doing up there. It sounded for all the world like he was beating on her oh, up there. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I didn't want to charge this guy anything because I take somebody's money. I'm bound to them. Yeah, it's a contractual obligation. I have an ongoing relationship with them because I warranty my work. And I, I, I didn't even want anything to do with this guy. So I said, look, you don't owe me anything. You just, you just fix it yourself and just take care of it yourself. I don't want anything to do with you. Well, the big problem with him is he was actually accusing you of cheating, right? Of, of deliberately, you know, quoting one thing and then trying to charge another while you were there. Yeah, and this is another reason too. I think it was after that service call that we switched to our present way of our present fee structure, which is very simple, very straightforward. People call up, and um, if they live uh, in or around New London, it's one hundred and forty-nine dollars. That's my fee that covers anything I need to do. That's just my fee. It's not just for showing up and looking at it. Like people say, oh, $149 just to have you come and look at it? I'll come and look at it like, oh, yeah, that's a real nice almond bisque on your range. (laughs) That's going to be $149, please. I could do that. Yeah, Yeah. anybody could do that. That's $149 for any repair that I need to do. Anything. Any repair, whether it takes completed me one... Completed repair. Completed repair, whether it takes one trip or seven trips, five minutes or three hours and five minutes. That's my fee. And then parts are added to that, whatever the... And the parts costs just are whatever they are. People can go to my website and look up parts costs. So what we decided, we'd rather hear the gasp over the right. phone. So I wouldn't even have to see their ugly face in real life. <laughs> then uh, then have it happen at their house. Right, yeah. And, and the beautiful thing about that is, yeah, we do. We get people... Um, 
you know, we get the, the gasps and we, we get the, the gurgling bile on the phone, but I never have to see their ugly face when that happens. So, and that, and the people that I book calls for, they generally, they understand, they, um, they're happy to have the service because I schedule one hour windows and I can usually get out pretty quickly. Uh, you know, one hour windows for arrival versus, yeah, I'll be there next Thursday sometime between eight and five and you gotta be there. Right. Yeah, like well, uh, like some places. We well, have. we should say usually understand. We'll get to that yeah. a little bit. <clears throat> That's true. But yeah. I think you have another story for us. We do. And this one had to do with um, repairing a noise problem in a customer's substandard zero refrigerator. And uh, substandard zero is what I call these sub-zero refrigerators. I, right. I, don't, I don't know why people buy these things. It's, it's just a... It's just a status symbol, just a badge to have in their home, but they really are just pieces of crap refrigerator. And hugely expensive to buy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, you, you know, you want that kind of look in your house. It costs you a lot of money. Um, you're going to have it breaking down a lot more often. Parts are a lot more expensive. They're harder to work on. Um, so, anyway, this guy called and had his noise problem. It was just making some kind of <laughs> rattling noise coming from the, um, the top of the refrigerator. And uh, I thought what I'd do is, I had written this up before and um, had posted it on my website, actually, as a, as a previous post. Um, it, what he ended up doing, uh, just to give you the, the quick narrative here, is um, he subsequently blamed me for a totally different problem when, with this refrigerator where right. it was, seemed but to be running You had repaired long. the Sub-Zero. Right. I repaired the Sub-Zero, repaired the noise problem. It subsequently, sometime long after that, started, in his opinion, started running too long, which he blamed me for. And it was a, a kind of interesting narrative here that I wrote up. So let's uh, let's cue the soft, tinkly music, okay. and um, we'll uh, we'll uh, uh, read the narrative here. Let's can you light that incense stick over there for me, please, on? Okay, ah, excellent. That sets the mood here. Had an interesting phone call today. I got a KitchenAid wall oven, and the door is locked closed after I ran the clean cycle. I called KitchenAid, and they said to call you. Since I'm the authorized Whirlpool servicer in the area, KitchenAid referred him to me. Yes, I can fix this for you. May I have your name, sir? He told me his name. I remembered him from another job I did for him previously, an older guy and his wife. She seemed okay, but he was a real peculiar sort, the kind you read about in Tales from the Dark Side. I replaced the condenser fan motor in his sub-zero refrigerator. I had another fellow out here a while back, he continued, but I didn't want to call him again. Because I didn't think he knew what in the hell he was doing! Really, I replied. What did he work on? He did something to my Sub-Zero, and since then it's been running too long. Now this was a rare opportunity to get a glimpse into the mind of a customer. He obviously didn't remember me, but oh, how I remember him. I was there twice, once to diagnose, and then return with the fan motor to do the repair. Each time I had one of my kids with me. I usually take one of my kids with me on service calls. They carry the tool bag and... Uh, help their old man with a bad back. They still shudder when they think of the walking in that house. How to describe it? Let's see. Ever been in the back room of a mortuary where they embalm the bodies? That's what this house felt like. We were all a little creeped out by it. Running too long, I queried. Well, why didn't you call me back to see if it was something rela related to the repair I did, which was to replace the condenser fan motor? After a bit of a pause. That wasn't you, was it? He asked, sounding a little unsure of himself. We were very upset with you! It certainly was, I replied. I remember the job vividly. You called me out because your refrigerator was making a loud vibrating noise. I found the condenser fan to be bad and replaced it. Are you telling me that the refrigerator is making noise again? No, he replied. It just seems to run too long. Seems to run too long. And so rather than call me to even ask me about it, 
You just stewed on it and badmouthed me to everyone you know. That about right? Well, every time you came over, you charged us just to walk in the door, he exclaimed, sounding defensive. And he should sound defensive now, because he was flat out lying. Mr. Stanley, you know that's not true, I declared. I charge one flat fee for any repair that's completed to your satisfaction, and I tell people that fee right on the phone when they call for service. The only thing I add to that fee is the cost of parts, and I warranty my work for one year, parts and labor, with a lifetime warranty on workmanship. After a longer pause. So what about my wall oven? He finally asked. I'm afraid you'll need to call someone else to take care of that for you, I replied. You're obviously a customer who can't... You're obviously a customer who can't be pleased, and I'm not going to give you another thing to badmouth me about. At least this way, the worst you can say about me is that I refuse to come out. But I'm telling you that straight up instead of weaseling out. Most appliance techs have been so abused by customers like you who put them under the witch hunt the moment they walk in your house that they no longer have enough self-respect to just say no to customers like you. So they'll either grovel in a futile attempt to please you, or tell you they'll show up, but don't, and then not answer the phone when you call to find out where they were. Have a nice day. And I hung up. This conversation reveals everything that's wrong with the appliance repair trade. Appliance techs are already behind the eight ball the moment they walk in the customer's house. Most people have been conditioned by 60 Minutes and other tabloid TV shows to view appliance repair techs as morally deficient cretins whose main objective in a service call is to screw the customer. Now granted, there are lots of charlatans, charlatans and cretins out there, like mostly, uh, and I hear about them, mostly from jive turkeys who work for the big companies that begin and end with an S. I get horror stories every day by email or in the repair forum. But most independent appliance servicers are conscientious and highly skilled tradesmen who've invested thousands of hours learning the basic skills, keeping up with the new models, and honing their craft in the field. In fact, to be good at appliance repair, you need both excellent mechanical and electrical skills. To do it right, you need a more diverse and technically demanding set of skills for appliance repair than you do for any of the other skilled trades. But the problem is one of perception. Some of it's self-inflicted, but most of it's just a cultural thing. Plumbing and household electrical wiring are all hidden behind walls, and so are mysterious, mysterious and almost magical things. But people work with their appliances every day, and so acquire the false sense that they must be easy to fix. They don't know what they don't know. Think about that. Most people don't know what they don't know, but think they know it all. The other factor working against appliance repair as a viable trade is the how-much-is-a-new-one syndrome. People look at what it costs to buy a new appliance and, in their muddled little brains, use that as the measure for what it should cost to fix it. Any tard can see that banging out a washer in a prison camp factory in China has nothing to do with what it costs to have a skilled and trained appliance technician drive to your home and fix it. Ah, but facts are stupid things, as the Gipper used to say. But perception is reality, and it's that perception, along with super cheap appliances available today, that have doomed the appliance repair trade. I say have doomed because it's already done. The rest is just a long, slow swung, swan song. I'm going on record here and now to declare that the appliance repair trade is dead. The next megatrend in appliance repair is do-it-yourself. The internet's made this possible. Sites like fixitnow.com and excellent online parts houses like my parts partner empower almost anyone with a pulse with the know-how to repair their own appliances. But even this do-it-yourself trend will extinguish at some point. Without skilled and experienced techs, you wouldn't have do-it-yourself websites. How could you? Who's going to be around to write pearls of wisdom and post them at a website or answer questions from grasshoppers in the repair forum? Okay. The apocalypse. So we, can, we can end the tinkly music now. 
get out the tissues. Oh, oh hanky wave, hanky wave. So I think that uh, even with the flat rate pricing, it illustrates that if, if a customer is defective, nothing's going nothing's gonna to go right with that call, which also illustrates another maxim of any service business. You know, a lot of people like used to say, well, the customer's always right. You know, they like to say that. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's a saying that, for, first of all, no business today does business like that anymore because there's so many crass people out there. They it's, may pretend to, but they yeah, don't really. Right. Instead, what's happening now is, um, the saying now is not the customer's always right, but the customer is not always right if they're not the right customer. And that's the more, more and more businesses are being selective about who they do business with because it becomes so expensive and so unpleasant to do business with the wrong people, that is, the wrong customer, that you're better off identifying them early, like on the phone, like by telling them what my fee is, and then having them gasp and go away, and getting them off the phone, freeing the line for the next customer who comes along who will hopefully be a little more reasonable. So I think that story illustrated something... Uh, Illustrated that principle nicely. Illustrated a lot of things. Yeah. Like people better learn how to fix their own appliances. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, that's right. Well, there's always going to have to be some level of appliance repair out there because there are going to be people selling appliances and having to back it up with some sort of service. Well, but not only that. It's the independent guys that are maybe going to go by the wayside, and they they tend to be the better ones to deal with. Right. Uh, yeah. And but the other thing that's happening too is appliances are getting so <laughs> complex and so computerized that unless it's going to take a specialized set of skills to fix them. Big companies, people think, oh, well, the big companies are going to, like, like Sears and Whirlpool, Maytag Factory Service, that they're going to just take it all over. But they can't, because the reality is you don't make money doing service. Sears loses money out, out, I mean, out the behind running mm -hmm. with their service business. Whirlpool tried to get into it, lost their butts in it, ended up selling a lot of their service to, uh, to Sears. Yeah. So uh, the 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 fact the reality is that uh, service there's going to be this big empty spot because there's not going to be a lot of uh, big companies going into it because there's not a lot of money to be made in it. Right. Our final story has to do with a Maytag Neptune MAH three thousand AWW. A lot of those out there. If that's that's a model number MAH three thousand AWW with a no spin complaint. This this has been an epidemic. In fact, this problem was so widespread that there was a class action lawsuit against Whirlpool for this very problem. Um, Maytag. I'm sorry, Maytag. I said Whirlpool. Scratch yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about Maytag now. Um, yeah, we were talking about Whirlpool and, and right. regards to other things. Um, well, one of this thing, one of the things this story illustrates is how. Um, you know, people get a, a, an appliance they're not happy with, like the Neptune, which was very expensive to buy and then had all sorts of horrible $1 problems. $1,100, yeah. So who sometimes bears the brunt of the frustration? The poor guy who's just coming to fix it. Right. It had nothing to do with the re you know, the fact that it kept breaking. Right. This, the, big, the big reason for this, the Maytag Neptune with the no-spin problem, the, the common epidemic problem with this was a burnt-out machine control board. It was a visible burn on one of the resistors on the machine control board. That was one of the things. Motors were going. Um, this was, these were all the basis for the class action lawsuit. That's just background information for this story here, which is a classic pigs at the trough story. And what I mean by that is uh, pigs at the trough is somebody's getting excellent service, and they don't even realize it. And, and so they're just, it's like throwing your pearls before swine. They just trample them underfoot and then turn and trample you. And that's, what the, that's exactly what happened here. 
Um, I had fixed this washer less than a year ago. Again, no spin complaint. Found the bad machine control board uh, with the visible burnt R11, replaced it as well as the wax motor and the, and the door latch assembly because that was the prescribed repair. The wax motor would short out, take out the machine control board. Fixed. Done. This was about nine months ago. So they called back last week. Uh, on a Sunday, mind you, okay, this is on a Sunday because we always endeavor to answer the phone. Either me or Mrs. Samurai uh, always mans the phone and um, answers the phone when it rings, if at all possible, you know, barring uh, being out of range or something like that, because all of our calls to our service number go to our, our direct remote forwarded to a um, cell phone. Mm -hmm. So we can always answer them no matter where we are. Anyway, Mrs. Samurai got the call. Right. Um... And it was the wife, and she explained that they were having another problem with no spin again. And I pulled out her um, invoice from last fall and said, well, it's been less than a year. If it happens to be the same component that Samurai replaced before, obviously it would be con covered under the warranty that we had quoted her. Um, but if it was something new, then it would be a new service call. And she said, I understand. That's fine. I just really need to get it fixed. So we set up an appointment for the Samurai to go out the next day on Monday. The very next day. Gave her a one-hour window. One-hour window. During which he did, in fact, arrive the next day and mm -hmm. got it all fixed up. It did turn out to be a different... Right. Component. I arrived. I went there, arrived during the one, scheduled one-hour window, and um, troubleshot it. Found out that it wasn't pumping out. Well, in any front-loader washer, if it doesn't pump out, it's not going to spin. That's just the way they work. So had the pump in stock on the van, uh, replaced the pump, fixed it, bada-bing, bada-boom, the thing's running, collected my uh, fees, all settled up and left. So during parts reordering that night, I realized I'd accidentally overcharged the customer for the pump because I just sort of go by memory for a lot of these things and usually I'm, I'm pretty close. And, um, and so Mrs. Samurai sent him a letter for a $30 refund check the next day. That went out the next day. Four days later, he calls up. Um, the husband. Uh, the husband calls up and I, you know, rather than uh, calling up to thank us for our honesty and, mm -hmm. and uh, sending him a uh, $30 refund check, he calls up wanting to know why we charge so much for service. Actually, Ms. Samurai took the call. Yep, I took the call again. And just to set the stage, this was in the morning. The Samurai was busy uh, with something else on the computer probably. And I was cooking breakfast for the kids, but the business phone rang. So I turned off the range and answered the phone. And it's this guy. You know, he told me his name and then asked how much we normally charge for service. <laughs> so I said, well, it's we the just... same we charged you last time. I, I said, well, we were just out at your house, right? Uh, and fixed your washer. And he said, yeah. And I just, what's your normal charge? And so I told him the, the flat price that we had, in fact, quoted him on Sunday and had charged him on Monday. And had charged him nine months before to fix his washer the first time it wouldn't right. spin. And he said, don't you think that's kind of high? And I said, well, I, I wasn't sure what to say at first. He said, Don't you he, think you're kind of retarded? He said, last time he came out, he only charged $80. And so, I said, no. Yeah, obviously, he's thinking of somebody else. Who knows? He's confusing it with something else. And then and, he said. And nobody charges just $80 for a complete repair, by the way. It's, well, I mean, nobody who does this professionally. Yeah, you people can may charge $80. I know people around here who charge $80. To show up at your house and then have a, a half-hour minimum labor charge added on top of that and then plus parts. It right. works out to be about the same. The only thing is my system's more more honest and more upfront because I'm getting giving you the, as much of like, as I can of the whole picture right up front. Right. Well, uh, then he goes on to say, you know, he was probably only here for about an hour. And he wasn't even there at the house when I did the repair, by the way. And so I I said, well, first of all, 
uh, we did quote you this price up front. You know, it's, it's, we didn't spring it on you. Um, you know, we, we run a professional service. We gave you a one-hour window. And I happen to know personally that a lot of places, as Samurai mentioned earlier, give you an all-day window to show up. Particularly, we live If they more, show up at all. We live more rurally. And they don't, you know, the big companies tell us you have to be there between 8 and 5. Yeah. We give a one-hour window. But the big thing was we quoted it up front. This is just a, this is a I'm sorry, you were going to Well, up. and I was going to say, and it seemed to bother him. He pro- he would have been happier, I suppose, if you had not had the part on hand, yeah. if you had had to come back home, order it, wait was, a week for it to come back, go, we got penalized. He would have seen for, more value. Yeah, you're right. right. Got, if it was less convenient for him, he somehow would have been happier paying. That's an excellent point. We got penalized for having for having for keeping very much on top of our rolling inventory on the van and being able to offer that convenience to the customer of of immediately getting it fixed up right then and there. People think it just happens by magic. Inventory control is the name of the game in this business, and you got to really be on top of it. You got to know what parts you. You got to really make a, a, a an informed decision about what parts are likely to to move. What what are critic, mission critical parts for some like a washer? Got to have a pump and a washer, or it's not going to work. Right. Otherwise, it ties up too much of your capital, and there's lots right. of guys out there who who will keep very few parts on inventory. Right, because they only order parts, and it, it's it's almost every job they go on is going to be two trips, at least two trips, because they're not going to keep anything, any rolling inventory on their van. Or there's the large companies who don't trust their techs with parts. They, That's they know they're going to, you know, epidemic problem with yeah, the, so the, they uh, won't Sears techs. let them ride around with parts on the van, and right. so you're guaranteed they a second trip. Them. So in this case, it seemed like we were being penalized. By the customer for being professional and for being uh, convenient right. for him, he it's didn't. A, again, a classic case of, of pearls before swine, where they just trample them under feet and then turn and charge you and, and trample you underfoot as well. Um, and it, people like that. I mean, he made the the blacklist. We have a very short blacklist, and he made it. So congratulations! Yay. All right, yay! So okay. one reason we thought it was good to do a, a podcast on this topic is one thing Samurai and, I, Samurai and I have said to each other over the years is having run our own business for all these years has made us better customers when we hire somebody for something because we understand what it what it's like to run a business. Well, and, and we know good service when we see it. Right. And, and that's the thing. Most people don't even know good service when they're getting it. Right. So hopefully for those of you who, who don't own your own businesses, haven't had the kind of experiences we have, maybe right. hearing a few of these stories just helps you in your interactions, future interactions with service people in any yeah. trade. And if you get anything out of this podcast, hopefully that'll be it. But Well, anyway, just want to thank you for joining us in this episode of Appliance War Stories and hope it gave you a little peek into the servicer's side of appliance service calls. Um, if you're a servicer, hang in there, man. We all deal with them. Just focus on the 97, 98% of your customers that are good, decent folks. Um, if you're a customer and maybe you saw yourself in a little bit of this, it's not too late. Get a clue, wise up, and uh, be a better customer. You'll find you get better service too, by the way. Yep, everybody wins. Yep, everybody wins. And um, so, if you're on, oh, also if you're a customer and you're on the receiving end of service calls, uh, be sure to download episode 13, which is entitled, amazingly enough, Appliance Service Calls. This will give you the inside perspective on appliance service calls of what you should look at from a customer's standpoint, what to look for in a good appliance service company. What questions to ask. How to recognize good service mm-hmm. when you're getting it, because that, I really think, is the key. People don't even know good service when they get it, because maybe because they're so used to getting bad service. Who knows? 
Uh, maybe they don't get service very often. I don't know. But episode 13, download that yep. and listen to it. And we should encourage people to send us their own war stories of any type. Good good point. There's all kinds of yep. appliance war stories Send those there. to us at podcast at fixitnow.com. We'd love to hear from you. So anyway, until next time, whenever that may be, this is Samurai Appliance Repairman and... Mrs. Samurai. Saying sayonara. sayonara.